Hello, it's Shelley F. Knight, bringing you Positive Changes, a self-kick podcast. Today we're joined by Jordan Gross and he is a Northwestern and Kellogg School of Management graduate, a startup founder, a TEDx speaker and a number one best-selling author. So hello Jordan. Hey Shelley, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. Bless you, thank you for being here. That's a lot of things you've achieved there, this is fabulous. (laughs) Oh thank you so much, it's really nothing, it's it's (laughs) not not anything special. (laughs) Oh bless you. So I'm assuming you have a positive change. What happened in your life? When did you do this sort of like big transition to all these wonderful achievements? Yeah, so so my positive change, I, I wanted to share two stories. And one was about positivity because that's how I was able to make the second big change. But the first one had to do with a story when I was a little kid. And, and just to give you the story real quickly so I can focus on the second one, I was heavy growing up. I had glasses. I had long hair. You said my last name already, so you know it's funny. It's gross, right? <laughs> so I had I had all these negative, seemingly negative characteristics growing up. And even though that was the case, I was still a very happy, upbeat, popular child. I was a good athlete. And after my favorite sport, soccer, I don't know if you're a soccer fan, but I'm a big soccer nice. fan. So <laughs> I, uh, I just won a tournament. I was about nine years old and I, I just got off. I had my trophy. I think I was wearing my medal. And I went to lunch with a friend of mine and his family, with his dad and his two sisters. And we're sitting at lunch and the, our, our waiter was a really nice guy. And he was, you know, being very interactive and he was giving us, you know, things to draw on and he was talking to my friend's dad. He was a really, really good person. It seemed, I'm sure he still is a good person. But uh, as we're wrapping up the meal, he says to my friend's dad, he says, so are these three yours? And he points to my friend and his two sisters. And me, the curious, upbeat kid I was, I said, hey, how'd you know that? You're right. And he kind of looked at them and he looked at me and then he looked at my friend's dad and he just said, well, them three are skinny. And it was in that moment that I realized that I was different, right? Because sure, I, maybe I knew I was bigger than my friends and I wore glasses and my friends didn't and I had long hair and my friends didn't, but nobody ever said anything, yeah. right? I think it was, it was just something that was always behind the scenes. But um, this was the first time I was really made to feel different. So in that scenario, I guess I attribute it to my parents, my friend's dad, and how he responded saying, hey, you know what? He didn't mean it like that. Don't worry about it. I attribute it to coaches, teachers, uh, my grandparents, my brother, whoever it was. In that moment, I decided to say I could either wallow in my pain because he called me fat, or I could use it to my advantage. I can think about what makes me different, and I can embrace what makes me different. So instead of saying, hey, I'm heavier than everybody and that's a bad thing, I said, hey, I'm bigger than everybody so I can power over them on the soccer field or on the basketball court. And if people said that my glasses were funny and they said I looked like a nerd in school, 
then I was just going to say, okay, you know what? I'm just going to get better grades than these people, right? So yeah. I, I became very studious. And uh, with my last name, people were already going to laugh at me and laugh at my last name. So I, I would always make jokes, right? People would yeah. say, you know, my teachers would say, is Jordan Gross here? And everybody would laugh. And I'd say like, ew, disgusting, right? Uh, and then say, yes, I am. I am here. And uh, finally, you know, I, I did cut my long hair. So that was something that changed. But uh, I am growing a long beard now. So maybe it'll come back. <laughs> um, no, but, but anyway, so that, that's the story that kind of solidified my mindset, always looking for the silver lining in things. One of my favorite mm -hmm. movies is Silver Linings Playbook. And uh, the, the main story I wanted to tell about positive change was about a scenario in my work life. I was four months out of a fancy master's degree, like you said, at Kellogg School of Management. I studied business. It was one of the best business programs in the United States. And I decided to go into a restaurant management program, um, which was very different than the people around me. And I thought it was going to be something that was really innovative and unique and a great experience. But what it actually ended up being was something that was so traditional, very robotic, a very mundane experience. And many of my colleagues actually were so horrified by the intense and chaotic nature of our restaurant world management program that they would sometimes leave in tears, literally in tears. Oh. And uh, one day I decided to uh, put on my suit and go to work and I had closing manager responsibilities. And I ended up, you know, having to count all of the, the meat like patties that we had in the freezer late at night. It was like two or three in the morning. And then I had to enter that inventory into a spreadsheet in our office, send that out, and then I could leave. So very late night, I already been up for, you know, 12 hours doing in-stuff restaurant. Now it was the after work uh, paperwork. So what ended up happening was I counted, I was in my suit, got these rubber gloves on, I'm counting meat, and I go back to the office and I realized that I locked myself out. Oh. <laughs> so here we are again in one of those moments where things are feeling different. I was starting to feel maybe a little bit stressed, a little bit anxious. People were going to be wondering where my, you know, inventory counts were because I had to send out an email to the entire, you know, thousand person organization. Um, so again, it was kind of like this moment where I had to decide who I wanted to be. And I decided to be somebody who was positive and live according to values that, uh, really demonstrated my my desire to live according to what made me most fulfilled. So instead of kind of freaking out that the door was locked, I, I just sat down on the floor and I, I knew people were coming in two hours later, but that wasn't, you know, really the point. Um, I sat down on the floor and I said, what am I really doing here? You know, I, I just counted meat in a meat freezer. I, I just put in before I was counting meat, you know, guest complaints that their signature cocktail was not as good as they wanted it to be? Am I really adding value to the world? And the answer was no, I really wasn't. So it was in that moment that I said, look, uh, I'm trying to be as, as, as positive as I can about this experience. I've been energetic. I haven't been going home in tears. I've been trying to take it for what it is, but um, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave this job and I'm going to figure out what makes me most fulfilled. And the next day, it was actually like a couple hours later because I already had to come back. Um, I ended up telling my, 
my boss that I was I was leaving the restaurant world for something more according to more in alignment with my passions, my purpose. And uh, that change led me to helping other people with their positivity, helping other people find their purpose. And the way that I do that is through creative storytelling. So now I'm a I'm a writer, I'm a speaker, I'm a coach. And uh, I really use positivity as a means for people to see their own situations through a different lens. That is such a change, isn't it? Yeah. Such a change, such it, a change. Yeah, and from quite a simple act, it sounds like, you know, from the meat patties, right. looking yourself out, then obviously something resonated from a past kind of situation. And you're just mm -hmm. like, actually, no, this is not what I'm here for. Do you know what I mean? That's right. Yeah, That's and, and like, like you said, like a past situation, um it was that that waiter feeling different right and it was also you know i i was feeding i was in new york city in one of the most expensive restaurants in this fancy program and i've always been somebody who in my experiences i've always wanted to metaphorically feed the poor right i want to help people who don't necessarily have the ability to help themselves yeah. but there i was in the restaurant world literally i was feeding the rich like all the yeah rich people in New York City came to this restaurant and I, I wasn't really doing anything good for them except you know feeding them food uh so yeah 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 yeah. so was your first book like part of this journey yes so right after that I, did, I had no plan I just quit because I knew it was right and my first book was a guide to daily happiness based on a morning routine that I was doing and what I said was, okay, my, my coworkers are leaving, we're crying, but I'm having a pretty good time, even though it's not the best experience. Why is that? Yeah. And I attributed it to my morning routine. And I wanted to share that morning routine with other people because it helped me overcome any sense of stress or anxiety. It helped me focus on optimism um, and really seeing the silver lining in, in the situation that I was in. So what is your morning routine? You knew I was going to ask that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My morning routine is called getting comfy. So comfy is a is my five steps, and oh, okay. I wanted to share it with other people so that yeah. So it's C O M F Y, and I wanted to share it with other people so that I gave the opportunity to just make recommendations as opposed to give very strict demands, right? Yeah. So that's how I think we all work best. I don't think we ever want to be told what to do but rather we can give, be given some, some suggestions so that we could figure out what works for ourselves. Yeah. So the categories are C stands for calm. So within calm, maybe I'll wake up one day and I'll feel like doing some yoga and I'll get calm in that way. Or maybe I'll wake up one day and I'll feel like, I don't know, doing some just quick deep breaths and I'll get calm very quickly. Or maybe I'll want to go do the dishes and that calms me down. So those are the, the different calm activities that I can do. And then O stands for openness. So openness is basically getting all the thoughts out of our heads and then putting them out there into the world. So you could either open up to other people and you could do that by sending messages, emails, making a phone call, or you can open up to yourself and you can journal. You could write down gratitudes, accomplishments, mm -hmm. strengths, weaknesses, whatever you want to do. So that's openness. M is really simple. It's movement, right? Whether that's yeah. a five mile run or a five, you know, second quick burst of energy, um, getting moving is so important in the morning because it really literally wakes up your mind and, and your body. F is my favorite. It stands for funny. 
I think that the best way to, to go about this world is, is yes, serious things do happen, but so long as we don't take ourselves too seriously, that's going to keep us from a lot of the, the negative emotions that may, you know, sort of overrun people's lives. Right. So I like to wake up. I like to watch a funny video of like a puppy or a baby or something, right. Just to, just to get me smiling and laughing first thing in the morning, keeps me in a good mood. And finally, why? And why stands for you or your choice or your passion. And it's the whole reason why having a morning routine is important. It's because it's an opportunity so that even if you're the most selfless person in the world, you still take some time to focus on you, to, to be selfish, so to speak, so that yeah. you are taking a little bit of time for, for your own self-care so that you can help others in the best way possible. So in the why, you know, you can cook, take up a new hobby, sing, dance, uh, code, whatever, you learn new language, um, whatever you want to do that's, that's truly yours. That's a great way to end your morning routine. And then uh, because the rest of the day is, is a lot of the time based off of what you're doing for other people. So just end that morning routine with something that is yours. So it's quite simple, isn't it? I like, like it when you just go like five things. And five things, there. five categories. Yeah, five, five categories. Letters. You can make it all your own. Uh-huh. Yep. That's fabulous. So you apply that every day. That's your tools and techniques and others can do it as well. Do you work yes. with affirmations at all or sayings? Do you work with other words as well? Yeah, so this is great because, and I don't know if you are familiar with The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. Do you know that book? No, not at all. Okay, so, so I thought maybe that's where you got it from because my inspiration for my comfy morning routine came from this guy, Hal Elrod's The Miracle Morning Routine. And his acronym is called The Savers. Silence, affirmations, like you said, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing. So when I read that book, I didn't have a morning routine yet. And I tried the savers. And when I got to A for affirmations, it felt a little awkward to me. Yeah. So I don't personally practice affirmations, but for other people, if that's what works for you, then by all means, I, I would never be here to, to judge or say, don't do that. Uh, yeah. Because if it works, then that's what matters the most. And they are quite strange when you do them. Because <laughs> you just think like... Yeah. Is anyone listening? <laughs> Am I talking yeah, to myself? Exactly. Are they going to come true? Where's the right. science? That's but I right. still say them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and it's so important. You know, maybe, maybe I just don't label them as affirmations. Maybe I sometimes I use positive self-talk. So if I'm not in the right mindset, I'll just say, hey, Jordan, Jay, I call myself Jay. Hey, Jay, <laughs> it'd be an amazing day today, right? You're just, you're, you're here. Look at where you are. Look at the sky. Look at, look at what's going on. The sun is beautiful. Um, so maybe I, I do do affirmations, but I don't have any written down that I do consistently every single day. Um, yeah, but it's obviously great if it works for you. I'll let you know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when everything beautifully manifests it'd be wonderful yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you're obviously really positive you've got this positive mindset to me it's rhetorical but to others out there why is it so important to be positive yeah it's such a great question right because to to positive people like you and I all we want to say is just like why wouldn't we be positive yeah. <laughs> right but we can't say that to other people and I think what it comes down to is maybe not promoting the positive, but dissuading people from the negative, right? So yeah. why would you not want, why would you want to 
not be negative as opposed to why would you want to be positive? So just a quick, a quick story. Um, I talk about my, my grandparents a lot and they kind of have four different approaches to life. And I'm going to hone in on this quick story on my two grandmas, grandma Ellie and grandma Harriet. And they, one is very positive and optimistic and one is very pessimistic and negative <laughs> in, a, in a very lovely way but you know where we could laugh at it but there was one scenario in which I remember my brother what well, he's four years older than me so I was probably 15 years old at this point 14 years old and he was applying to university to college in the states and uh, we're having a discussion about whether or not he was going to get in. And obviously, we don't know if we're going to get in or not. But my grandma Harriet, the positive, upbeat one, <laughs> was saying, Adam is definitely going to get in. He's He's got the grades. He's got the personality. He's going to nail his interviews. And he's going to get into school. And Adam was so encouraged by that. And he was so excited that somebody believed that he was going to get in, right? Grandma Ellie, on the other hand, said, you know what? She took out her, her book of colleges and she said, you know what? You know, the 50th percentile GPA <laughs> grade point average is, is 98.6 and you have 97.3. So, you know, it doesn't look good on the grades. And, and uh, uh, I don't think personality matters too much. They say the interview process is only a very small component of what gets you in. And your SAT score is too low. And basically, Adam, I just don't see it. You know, I, I don't think you're going to get into school. And, uh, you know, Adam's a great, a great person, but he was visibly upset, visibly upset. So, so what I'm trying to say here, and by the way, you know, the story has a happy ending. He did get into the school that he wanted to. <laughs> Yay! So, so grandma Harriet was, was right and Grandma Ellie was wrong. But what I'm saying here is that when you promote the negative, when you are a negative person, those actions have consequences not for your, not only for yourself and the way that you feel, but for the people around you, the people that you love the most, right? So in that scenario, my brother clearly didn't want to talk to Grandma Ellie anymore. He, he was not very, he was not her biggest fan in that moment because she was making him feel badly about the situation, right? Whereas opposed to, to Grandma Harriet, he wanted to just talk more about the, the confidence booster that she was giving him about why he wanted to get in, right? So to, like I said in the beginning, to you and I, it's obvious why we'd want to be like Grandma Harriet, but for those like Grandma Ellie, think about it in terms of how your behavior is impacting the people you love the most. That's pretty, I love the way you tell stories. Do you use that in your work? Do you sort of yes. like give like real life examples? Yeah, so stories are, are everything for me. And, and even in, you know, I write books about positivity and happiness and personal development in very traditional sense, it's self-help, um, but it's through creative storytelling. I don't just say, here's the advice. I tell stories about it. So that's really important to me. Yeah, because my book was on positive changes and I'm a bit like uh -huh. you that it's like almost like multiple choice I don't say there's one way there's uh, loads of way for my yes. many many years of existence on this earthly plane yeah. but I like it that you say like there is storytelling it's kind of like choose your own adventure and things like that exactly you're able to feel the advice as opposed to just be told it straight up you know yeah. and it, it 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 reduces some of the stress sometimes right you know if we don't make positive changes by following advice and that can sometimes add even more stress to our lives but 
if you just hear this nice story and you smile at it and you laugh at it and you resonate with it and uh, you make the changes on your own, sometimes that can reduce some of the stress that comes along with actually making a change. Yeah, no, I love the story, Ten, because when I first started the podcast, it was just me, my little book, Jordan, just sitting there talking uh-huh. to myself. Um, uh-huh. And it has got my life stories in it and my yeah. background's nursing and hypnotherapy. Yeah. But, you know, people just, as you say, when you're on the outside looking in, you are in that negative place in life or that negative mindset. You're thinking that's very nice, Shelley, but is it a true story? And it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's why we're here today, because actually, you know, I get people on from all walks of life and they do yeah. their own stories. And I think people think, oh, actually, there might be something, you know, worth listening to. Because <laughs> yeah. mine's just like one book about me and my journey. Mm-hmm. But when you get other people on, there's just such value, isn't there? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So first book had Comfy in it. And then have you got the second book, the Cloud Nine? Yes. So the second book was The Journey to Cloud Nine. That was actually, that was my first story-based book. So I did all the research. I interviewed hundreds of people and I got to this crossroads where I had to say, do I want to do another comfy style book where I maybe make an acronym and I give suggestions for how to live a cloud nine life and a cloud nine life is all about fulfillment and, and having moments of euphoria. Um, Or do I want to create a story with characters that represent different types of people and these characters can allow readers to say I want to be like that person or I don't want to be like that person based on their experiences in the book so I chose the latter I chose to share this story and the journey to cloud nine is a documentation of a character Jerry who I created his life where he made decisions based off of societal expectations and peer pressure and things around him and you see that that life was not very beneficial for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I also did was I show his cloud nine life, this dream life that he could have lived had he made decisions based off of his heart, his gut, and his intuition, right? So you're able to yeah. see those two lives against one another. And then the goal is for the reader to say, okay, I want my life to look like this one, or I want my life to look like this one. So just is it a story of Jerry, nice solid yes. name, by the way, love the name Jerry. Um, yeah. <laughs> is it just like, What's the word I'm looking for? Like fictitious story, or does it actually tell you how we go about to live our cloud nine life? It's fictitious. It's purely fictitious. And what I did was in order to create the story, I used all the interviews that I did. And I used some of my own story as well, because I think any writer will tell you that, you know, you have to write from what you know. And just yeah. like with your story, what you wrote, it's it's you, right? Yeah. So you can only speak to your own, you can only make up so much. There has to be influence <laughs> from some. That has to be influenced from somewhere, yeah. whether it's your story or your friend's story or your teacher's story or somebody's story you saw on the news. Um, even if you're making things up, they still have, they're rooted in something, right? Yeah. 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 I think mine is about me, but it's just the connections I made along the way. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's a real key thing in life is it's the connection, yeah. something bigger than ourselves, whether we call it the universe or Barbara down the road. <laughs> it's right. very important uh-huh. to connect with people, isn't it? That's right. It's so important. So beautiful. So from all the stories you collated for good old Jerry, mm-hmm. how do we go about living the cloud nine life, the euphoria, the joy? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll just share the key themes and patterns that I picked up on. And the main way is what I just expressed. You know, people who are living their cloud nine lives are choosing in very important decisions based on their heart, 
their gut, their intuition, as opposed to societal expectations, what their spouse wants them to do, what their children or parents want them to do, right? So that's like the big overarching theme. But then what I also picked up on was that there are certain key patterns and and characteristics of a cloud nine life that we need to focus on. So in the journey to cloud nine, it's separated based off of nine different clouds. And the journey is from cloud one to cloud two, all the way to cloud nine. And these clouds represent the different themes we need to focus on in our life, right? So cloud one is having some sort of playfulness in our everyday life. Cloud two is camaraderie, the importance, like you just said, Shelly, of friendship and connection, yeah. right? Deborah down the road. Um, cloud three is about love and whether that's in a romantic sense or just loving what you do or, or loving your family, we have to love something, right? It, yeah. it shows that things are much greater than just us. We need to care about other people, other, other activities. Um, cloud four is a sense of responsibility. So again, we need to take ownership of something that is not just us. We need something else. We need a career. We need a, a, a cause that we volunteer for, that, that sort of thing. Um, cloud five is about benevolence, right? I just mentioned volunteering. Benevolence is about doing something for your community. So yeah. people who live cloud nine lives, they add value to the, grand, the more grandiose scheme of things. They know that they're just a small part in this very large world. Um, cloud six is empathy. So this is trying to really get inside other people's shoes. The example I give in the book is uh, the relationship with your, your parents, right? And how they've been uh, caretakers for you your whole life. And then when they get older, you end up being their caretakers maybe right so having a sense of empathy for what other people have done for you and then trying to give something back to them in return um cloud seven is about career aspirations people who live a cloud nine life follow a career calling that is work that they truly love and enjoy it's that simple as opposed to work that they think other people want them to do right so it comes back to that theme of what you want to do versus what Mm -hmm. other people Expected. All the meat patties, back to meat patties. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> that's right. Um, and then cloud eight is a sense of presence. It's, uh, I call it realization. It's a realization that in this current moment, you are, you're living your cloud nine life. Every single step, every setback, no matter what happens, you're still on your own journey to cloud nine because it's all part of it, right? It's all part of the journey. And then finally, cloud nine is a resurgence. So even if you felt like you haven't been living on cloud nine up until this point, there is always an opportunity to make a change, right? Make a positive change. It's a domino effect. So you can call an old friend, you can quit your job, you can do whatever you know it is that, that you've been so afraid to do for so long. It takes one yeah. little change and that's a resurgence to come back to you know living that cloud nine life that you always desired so those nine themes uh are really important to focus on as your values for how to live a cloud nine life yeah i love them my background is palliative care nursing Mm -hmm. and what you're saying is important how to get the cloud nine life are the regrets Uh they say you know that they didn't do they didn't connect to something bigger they weren't of service they didn't do a job they wanted to do they didn't love enough you know they weren't happy enough and yeah. so, yeah, so it's really interesting that that's come up because what makes people happy is also the regrets of the dying. 
Exactly. And, and two things. One, that's what living a cloud nine life is all about. It's about trying to live without regret. So that's, uh-huh. it's very much on par. And then two, um, as a palliative care nurse, did you, cause I have it in my Amazon cart right now, the top <laughs> five regrets of the dying by Bronnie. Where? Um, where did by Bronnie, where did you read that? I have read it. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. yeah. yeah I'm going to read it soon. So I like I learning in that way. Yeah. I like learning about how not to do something right. Like just like I gave with the negativity example, uh, if we learn about people who regretted their lives, then we can say, wow, I don't want to be like yeah. that. So let me do the opposite. Um, it's very, very impactful, very powerful. It is. Yeah. So write about it quite a lot because I did nursing mm-hmm. for many years. I left last year, yeah. but I did uh-huh. nurse for many years. And I just, even now I love like grief, ends of life. I just think it's the most yeah. poignant learning, you know, it's beautiful. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, it really is. So when you work as a coach, do you do the comfy things? Do you do the nine lives? Nine lives. You don't work with <laughs> the, cats, no. No cats, no cats. <laughs> no cats allowed. No but cats. Do, you, do you apply the book or do you do other tools as well when you work with people? Yeah, it's a little bit of everything. I try to apply the book if I see, you know, there's need to have a morning routine. I help people if they need a nighttime routine, you know, they're overthinkers before bed, uh, time management throughout the day. My coaching is really informal. I know there are a lot of coaches who believe in very, you know, stern, structured programs for people, but that's just not my style. When I coach people, it's very much based on what they want to get out of it. And oftentimes they don't even know what they want to get out of it. So it's kind of like a on the fly program where we just figure out how to work best with one another. Um, And then we, we kind of figure out, you know, how do we live a cloud nine life? That's the goal. And then I have this, this uh, cool made up word called imaginativitation. And this is the one commonality for all of my coaching. It's that I use my imaginativitation and I help other people use their imaginativitation to live the life that they want to live. And what it quite simply means is imagination. So what if I could already be living the life that I want to live, right? What would that look like? Who would I be friends with? What would I be doing for work? all these what if type questions. So that's imagination. And then interpretation. This is the why. Why do I want to live this kind of life? Why do I want to have these people in my life? Why do I want to do this for work? So that's the second part. The third part is about creativity. So how can we creatively make a plan to start getting you on that path to the life that you just dreamt of, right? So, you know, is it people you need to call? Is it books that you have to read? Is it research that you have to do? What is that going to look like and how can you plan that out? And then finally, what we kind of work on the whole time back and forth is implementation. How are you treating life like an experiment, understanding what works best, what doesn't work? How are you maximizing your opportunities going about the process um, so that you are are truly following through with, with the plan that you just created? So using the imaginativitation is the one commonality that I use in all of my coaching engagements. And it's really the thing that I use in how I write stories, how I tell stories. I could use my imaginativitation and help other people use their imaginativitation for literally every, everything in life. It's, it's so powerful. I love that. I can't pronounce it, but I love it. <laughs> it's so hard to, I've, I've practiced a lot. I mess oh, yeah. it up myself sometimes. <laughs> 
no, this is purely selfish because people that follow me on social media know that I've got really bad insomnia. So you've got comfy in the morning Ooh, to help you yeah. start the day. And I'm brilliant in the mornings. I wake up, do my five gratitudes, rate my day, uh, do a uh, card for the day, a bit of yoga, eat a healthy breakfast. Mornings, superwoman. Yeah. At the end of the day, I read uh -huh. a book, fall asleep, then wake up. Is there a comfy for the end of my day that could help me? wind down i do i do and again I, i'm not going to say i'm an expert at this just like i'm not an expert with the morning routine or anything like that i have a uh comfy in the morning my nighttime is called cozy so <laughs> cozy is the four-step acronym so what c stands for and this is more so i'll say shelly to help people fall asleep yeah. rather than stay asleep I, I don't really know the inner workings of staying asleep um but to help people fall asleep the c stands for a cutoff point so having a cutoff point for me and my experience has been really important. If I'm working until 1030 at night and my bedtime is 1045, that's not enough of a, of a refractory period for me to, you know, re to, for me to wind down and, yeah. and really get ready for bed. So my cutoff point I recommend to people is about two to three hours before you want to get to sleep. So if oh, your wow. bedtime is 10 <laughs> o'clock, try to finish working around eight seven or eight so that's first and foremost that's really important um o again stands for openness it's about reflecting on the day right maybe writing down some five more gratitudes like you did in the morning yeah. uh creating that openness practice right before bed and, and reflecting on the day that you had z stands for zenith i like to think about positivity and happiness all the time so zenith is my high point for the day um, what was basically the happiest I've ever been what, during the day? What was my cloud nine moment for that day? Uh, so that's Z. And then Y stands for you again. So it's two of the same things from Comfy. So U is about, you know, what's that last thing you're going to do that puts you to sleep? And is it reading, like you just said? Is yeah. it, uh, I don't know, a little bit of TV? If you are not one of those people who are affected by the blue light, um, you, you kind of want to figure it out. And sometimes actually, shall I, I'll tell you this, Y stands for yawn. So, I thought it was going to be yawn. I was just yes. like, Damn. So, so I might, <laughs> I might change it. I might change it because a lot of people think it's going to be yawn. Um, knowing what makes you tired is really important. So to give you a quick story, when I was in college, I had trouble falling asleep as well because I was so stimulated and it was mainly during exam weeks. I had trouble falling asleep. Um, but I knew that there was a certain textbook that when I was reading it, my eyes would just slowly fall, like slowly close. It was this big economics textbook. So sometimes when I have trouble falling asleep, I know that if I read that textbook, it's going to make me <laughs> yawn and then fall asleep. So I'll just whip out some boring text and start to read it. And then, you know, hopefully it'll help with, uh, me falling asleep. So. I, I still, I can't say I know how to stay asleep. I, I'm not sure about that. Well, if I wake up, I'll just read the economics, <laughs> economics yeah. book, be fine. <laughs> exactly. That's right. You just do cozy all again when you wake up. <laughs> yeah. Just keep repeating it. Uh -huh. <laughs> so what's the best piece of advice everyone's given you? Because you obviously give fabulous advice. What's the best advice that's ever been given to you? It's, it's a wonderful question. And I like to answer it differently every time I receive it because <laughs> I don't know if there's just one best piece of advice. I keep getting great advice, but the one that's most topical for me right now, and it's taken me the longest to learn, 
is that it's okay for me to have a different opinion than other people. And that sounds very basic service level, but I'm somebody who's always, I'm very agreeable. I never want to have confrontation. I, I, you know, my approach to personal development is it's based on what's best for you. So I clearly don't have any definitive approach. Um, but it's okay for me to say that there is a route that I recommend and, and that it's okay that I don't need to have very strong adversaries who say that that's not the right route. It doesn't mean that we're going to hate each other. It doesn't mean that we're going to be enemies. It just means that we don't agree. Right. So that's actually taken me a really long time to fully own. And, and for me, it's that I believe that personal development through creative storytelling is, is as beneficial as it can be for the reasons that we talked about earlier. Um, But I had such a problem saying that because you know, I use regular stories. Sometimes I use the traditional, you know, self-help tools to get myself out of funks at times. But I do think, you know, so I was afraid to to take ownership of that phrase. But, um, you know, if I had to choose, I would go with storytelling. So now I'm, I'm getting more comfortable and confident in, in sharing this opinion, and not worrying so much about whether or not others are going to hate me for it, so to speak. Yeah, and I think a lot of people relate to that because we do, don't we? We naturally yeah. do. And I don't think it matters if you're really confident or sassy. We do still sort of do a little bit of tipping on eggshells, don't we? Yes, uh-huh. exactly, exactly. So there, there's just a way to approach it, right? And and he's, he's my mentor, a great friend of mine. His name is Rich Keller. Um, he basically kind of said, like, you're not somebody that, as long as you don't approach it in a way that's very aggressive and, and there's a way to approach it so that people are just going to disagree with you and still like you and, and, and share, you know, maybe think about your message, but the, you know, you're not going to do something in a way that they're going to try to destroy your career, you know? Yeah. Um, so there's, yeah, it's about approach and delivery and things like that. Fabulous. So what is next for you? You've done this book about Jerry. What is next? So, so next, um, book-wise, is a book that'll come out in March 2021 called What Happens in Tomorrow World. And it's about navigating uncertainty. And it's a short parable about four different characters in a giant crane game. Have you ever played like a crane game where no. you drop the crane and the crane opens up and you can get a toy? Um, oh, yeah, like a grabber. Yeah, 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 grabber. grabber. Exactly. Yeah, yeah different. Sorry, I was on a building site when you said crane. I was like, oh, oh <laughs> what no, do they no, do no. in America? <laughs> well, kind of like that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the grabber comes down and these four characters, the prizes within the game, have four different responses to uncertainty. So one, just like, you know, my grandma is very positive. One is very negative. Uh, and the other two actually relate to my grandpa's. One is very chill and indifferent and one is very wise very sage very spiritual in in his approach so that's next and again it's all about relatability how are you relating to the characters and saying wow i should be more like this character i want to be more like that character i don't want to be like that character um and you'll see how that story unfolds and why it's important so that's the next book and then for the next you know about year it's just all about helping people um building my platform through storytelling, uh, using the imaginativitation to help other people and, and really to help myself um, 
live this this life that we so uh, desire. That's fabulous. So how can people reach you? Are you on Facebook and things like so that? LinkedIn is my number one place to be. Okay. I answer all my messages on LinkedIn and it's Jordan Gross on LinkedIn. Fabulous. Thank you yeah. so much. It's been gorgeous. I do love another positive person. <laughs> yes, me too, Shelly. Thank you so much for Bless your time you. and for having me on and uh, stay safe. Okay. I will do. Thank you for all your tips, Thanks. techniques. I'm going to go off and do what's it? My cozy. <laughs> yes, cozy, nighttime. Uh -huh. Bless you. Perfect. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. You too. If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a positive review. If you would like to create your own positive changes, you can buy Positive Changes, a self-kick book from all online book retailers or from ShellyFKnight.com. If you need a dollop of positivity until the next episode, come like and follow us over on Facebook at ShellyFKnight, life goes on. As always, I've been Shelley F. Knight and you've been amazing. <laughs>